In one trendy Denver neighborhood, right next to a golf course, we find an old home almost hidden in plain sight. Unkept bushes cover the windows. Overgrown trees consume the front porch. He's been missing for more than a year. Inside, a 69-year-old man. He wouldn't look you in the eye. An urban hermit who permanently shut himself off from society. Basically disappeared. So removed from life and people, nobody knew he vanished. We do know police found a body. A year after his family searched his home. Well, there's no way he was there when we searched after him. After unsanitary conditions hindered their investigation. A year after he was declared missing. We'll be out with the health department. The mystery of Chuck came to a bizarre end. No more after the coroner's report. Who's to blame? How does a man become... He was found in his own home. home. Lost at home. What day was Charlie found? Okay, to February 22nd, 2018. All right, what I did a couple days ago, I sent the office of the medical examiner a request to see when this autopsy is gonna be done. And then he said it takes typically from, from six to eight weeks. We may not get this autopsy report for another month. Who knows what that cause of death is gonna be? We'll see. Um, so I think today what we'll do is, uh, you know, we visited the house, we checked it out. Uh, I think now, I think we start calling family members to let them know we're looking into this and to potentially hear their perspective. Hi there, it's Jeremy Hohola, and this is episode three of Lost at Home. In this episode, I'm currently in front of a laptop and I have various online databases open. These databases are based on the public record and often contain loads of phone numbers. I hope to track down and talk to a member of Chuck's family. I'm eager to learn about his life and death and how it took a whole year to find his body in his own house. And most of all, I want to see if Chuck's family really did search his house between the time he was declared missing and when his body was finally found in his living room. Remember, the last episode, we heard Christy, that's Chuck's neighbor, say she saw his family go in there after they reported him missing. His kids came through and were looking at the yard and cleaning up some stuff. And I know they were in and out of the house, but his sister had said that the kids had been in and out of the house. Who do you think we should call first? Vicki Lynn believe is to be the ex-wife. It looks like her and Charles. One, two, three, four, four kids. kids. The oldest one is born in 1969 and the youngest is born in 1981. We try looking her up and calling her. She'll leave a message. I'm gonna leave a message. So who should we call next? Brian is closest to my age. Call has been forwarded to an automatic... Uh, the next one, Susan. Hello? 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 Hmm. Okay. Uh, the next person is Kevin. Please leave your message for... Uh, should we keep going? Calling Rain of Fire. We're, we're assuming Jeff is the owner, right? Hi there. Um, is this Jeff Frary? Yeah. Uh, hi, Jeff. I hope I'm not catching you at a bad time. Uh, my, my name is uh, Jeremy Hohola. I'm a reporter for Nine News here in Denver. You got a quick second? Sure. Are, are you? Were you related to? Uh, were you related to Charles Frary? Yes. Is he your father? Yeah. Bingo. At this moment, my heart is racing a bit. I'm not sure what his reaction will be. 
Sometimes we reporters are met with a lot of distrust and disgust when we start asking questions about sensitive topics, especially when we find family members. We're working on a potential story into the circumstances of your father's missing persons case and then how he was eventually found. Right. Uh, what, what happened? Do you, know, do you know the cause of death or anything like that at this point? Uh, I'm thinking it's a cardiac arrest, probably. Oh, okay. All right. Who first found your dad? Uh, the detective. And how was he, how was he found? Was he, was he like, cause I mean, they, police went to his house, right? Several times. And you guys went to his house several times trying to find him. Right. I don't mind talking to you. I just, sure. I'm kind of cautious as to what's going to end up on the news. Cause it, didn't, it wasn't quite right. You know, and there were some things that were kind of bugging us a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Here. Sure. Yeah. Jeff Frary is open and friendly. This first conversation lasted 23 minutes. And during that time, I learned a lot about Chuck's mentality and the confusion within the family when they realized he was missing. What was bugging you about like what was incorrect and what was not accurate? Well, I think the main thing was that um, we found out that the body had been identified on the news before we ever even knew about it. So that was kind of like, what the hell? Then I guess they interviewed one of the neighbors or something and they almost made it sound like little like we were suspicious like the family was a little suspicious <laughs> I mean nothing nothing too serious but what happened like what know? do you know what happened like I mean your, your your father disappeared and then he turned up in the house a year later I, I mean how, how do you think well that there's happened? there's been a lot of really strange things that have happened you know we haven't we're not real close with our dad mm -hmm. but a neighbor had showed up well some guy showed up at my brother's house about a little over a year ago and said he was worried that my dad something happened to my dad and he thinks he's dead in the house or something mm -hmm. a mystery man some guy knows chuck is either missing or dead and alerts the family for now i hold off on pressing jeff about this person because there are so many other things i want to learn but this mystery guy i put him in my mental pocket I want to know who he is and how this guy knows things about Chuck. It was this guy, whoever he is, that prompted Jeff and his brother to look for their dad on the night of February 13th, 2017. So we were like, what the heck, you know? So we called the cops that night and went down there and, you know, we hadn't been in the house in over 20 years, but, uh, you know, we got in there and looked around and seen, you know, how bad it was and everything. And we kind of searched. I mean, we weren't digging and stuff, but we just searched the property and it didn't appear like he was in there at all. We searched the house. We went back the next day and kind of searched it again. And at that point, you know, we we were felt pretty confident he wasn't in there. Your dad was like, he was considered what, what people call a hoarder, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Describe the house for me. Was it like full of stuff or was it like, is it just like, I mean, like a climbing? Mean, I've been in hoarder houses before. They can get pretty full. Yeah, and I watched that hoarder show because my dad's a hoarder, and I've never seen anything as bad on as his house ever. I mean, there was basically trash piled up, you know, half half full everywhere, nowhere to walk, not even a path. Literally walking on top of trash. I mean, and literally a lot of it was trash. Your dad was essentially in his body. His remains were inside the house for like a full year. Well, oh. no. See, that's the thing that's weird. So he, we searched the house. We didn't see him anywhere. We searched it a couple times, and we didn't find him anywhere. So that's when the missing report went out. Like in October? No, that was in February of last year that we searched the house for the first time. Okay. And the neighbors thought that he had been gone 
for six months before that. You know, four to six months before that, they thought he had been gone. But the first we heard about it was in February of last year. 2017. Yeah, and that's when the official, we searched the house, okay, yeah, it looks like he is missing. That's when the missing report went out and all that was about a year ago. So we searched for him. Um, you know, we put up signs around the neighborhood, called, you know, we were calling, did everything we could, and really got nowhere. Um, the investigators really didn't do anything. I mean, eventually, a year later, they said, hey, we can't rule out that he's not in the house. We want to go back in. So we were like, okay, we went back in, and they found him. Mm -hmm. And they told us that he was, you know, basically laying kind of right here in the living room. And we're like, well, there's no way he was there when we searched it. So wow. either... So that's what was weird. That's what really creeped us out. You guys searched the house, and you're pretty confident when you when you walked through the house in February of 2017, you didn't see your dad in there. No, for sure. And we even have pictures of it, of where they said they found him. And there's like, there's not a body there. Or if there was, he was buried in trash. And I don't think, I don't think that he would have been that buried. By natural causes or i mean there was rats and stuff in the house and everything yeah. else but i don't i mean to me i'm saying there's no way that he was in there unless somebody buried him in trash or something huh. so was, and so far we haven't we still don't have answers and there you go chuck's family went in the house and they didn't find any remains the family was in there twice in february of 2017 the night when they were first alerted by that mystery guy who said their dad was either dead or missing, and then again the next day when police declared Chuck missing. I think what happened is he got pushed out of that house because the basement was flooded, so he didn't have running water. There was basically no heat. Half the windows are broken. I think eventually, and there was black mold everywhere, but I think he got pushed out of the house and was staying somewhere, and that's why the neighbors hadn't seen him for four to five months. When you say pushed out of the house, you think someone pushed him out of the house or just no, kind of no, like no. just the, the environment, no, the environment just of living just conditions. living? Oh, yeah, okay. I just think the living conditions pushed him out of there. And you know, he wouldn't call anyone for help. He wouldn't let anybody in. He couldn't get anything repaired because of the condition. You know what I mean? What do you think about this circumstance here, Jeff? Like, do you think anybody's at fault here? Like, as far as like the police department or just you know, anybody in general about, you know, the circumstance? Well, a, a little bit because you know, we kind of felt like, why didn't, you know, we said there's a missing person report. We don't know where he's at. They knew the condition of the house. I wish we could have searched the house better a long time ago. And it took a full year before they said, we want to go back in. I mean, I, I know at one point they showed up and said, oh, we can't even get in. A second time they came with dogs or something. They said, oh, that's not safe or something. You know, so I get it. It's a, it's, it's a really bad situation. You know, a whole year just to find out if he was even in the house or not. We can see from dispatch records, police visited Chuck's property five times before he was found dead. Chuck's son is convinced his dad was still alive when they first tried looking for him in February of 2017, a year before he was found. You know, we had the city all over us, too, about cleaning up the outside, and we had to get the property cleaned up. So we went out and did a bunch of yard work and cleaned the whole backyard up and took a dumpster worth of trash and everything out of there. You know, at, at some point, this was probably a month or two after we found out he was missing, I went back to the house, and I seen that someone had been in the house. I didn't go in, but I we kind of 
booby trapped the back door a little bit so that we'd know if anybody went in. We knew someone went in the house and there was some things that were brought to the house that looked like my dad, like a hoarder would bring to his house. And so do you think your dad was maybe moving in and like kind of like, like not permanently staying in the house, but he was just kind of moving in and out of the yeah. house then? Yeah, I think he was keeping all his crap there and keeping the house. He was staying somewhere else. That's kind of what we all think has happened. He was pushed out of the house, staying somewhere else. Occasionally he would come back. He was an old, you know, he's 70-something years old. He wasn't real healthy. The neighbors probably hadn't seen him much in the last six months. So I think he came back and, you know, I don't know if it's just a really kind of a coincidence that the neighbors thought he was missing. We searched for him. It looked like he was missing. Next thing you know, he comes back to the house and now all of a sudden he's dead. Did they say how far, like, how far a deteriorated his remains were? Did they give you any sort of, like, time frame of death? I haven't gotten a straight answer, to be honest. And, yeah. my, you know, me and my sister have talked to them both and kind of got mixed messages. I think they're trying to spare our feelings a little bit. We really just would rather know the truth. You know, I feel like they're being kind of vague about it. What I heard was it was skeletonized, but there was still some flesh and stuff. You know, but then my sister, when she talked to the detective, he made it sound like it wasn't a, a whole body. What's what's happening with the house right now? Is it like in your name or is it like in the family name or is it like in the middle of like some sort of court thing or something like that? Well, we actually have our first, I think it's basically going to go to like a probate type court yeah. thing. I, you know, again, this is all new to us. Sure. Because um, we just finally put him to rest last week, finally. Oh, wow. Um, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so that's been kind of fun. But, you know, at this point, we got a meeting with our lawyer in like a week and a half, and then I think it goes to probate court, and then we start start figuring that out. I don't know what's going to happen. Did you grow up in that house? No, it's, it was his mom's house, so it's been in their side of the family. For a long there. time, yeah. You you and I both know the housing market here in Denver is insane, I'm sure. Well, that's the thing, too, is he had some classic cars. He had a 57 Chevy convertible up in the driveway. People have been posting notes and stuff that they'll buy the house and they'll buy the car. You know, when we first found out he was missing, a lot of the neighbors were suspicious of the developers over there because they've all been asked to buy their house and stuff, and they're developing that whole area. And then here's my dad with the hoarder right on the corner lot right there. With yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it sounds crazy, but I guess things happen. I know I don't. Nothing, nothing's crazy in our in our news world. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I think the the reason this this case has us intrigued is because, you know, your your dad, you know, uh, lived on this corner for a long time. Uh, he was reported missing, and he essentially kind of just vanished for a year, and then he turned up inside the house. Like, would you guys have a strong Connection with your dad? It doesn't sound like it, right? No, no. We really didn't know. My parents divorced when almost thirty years ago, and he was he was you know verbally abusive and well then physically abusive to my older siblings and stuff. And it just you know that's the way he was brought up. And you know, I think from day one he just had just a bad go. I mean you know he was brought up in a you know abusive home like that, and then it spilled over onto his family. And then next thing you know he kind of became a, a loner and a hoarder and. How long ago did he kind of start to like retreat and become a loner, like an introvert? Oh, he's been doing that, I would say for for 30 years. I mean, ever since, even before the divorce, even kind of, I think he was starting to hoard a little bit, you know, show some signs of that. Once he moved out onto his own and had his own house there, I think it just got, 
carried away. Me and my younger brother used to go see him every other weekend and stuff for a few years. And it was, we seen it slowly get a little worse and a little worse. And then at some point, he just quit letting people in his house. And it's been 20 years since anyone's even seen the inside of that house. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we knew it was bad, but we didn't think it was that bad. It was kind of shocking. Through this call, I got a strong picture about Chuck and his relationship to his family. He essentially pushed them away and contact was minimal and scarce. Maybe that's why Jeff was so open and willing to talk about his father. There may not be that much of an emotional attachment and it's not as painful for him to talk about this. His father just really wasn't around. But remember, Jeff is just one of four grown children and I wonder if others feel the same way. Oh, I'll let you go, man, but let's keep in touch. Okay. All right, That's man. Good. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Thanks. You take care. Bye-bye. Wow. Well, that was a really insightful phone call. It is interesting where he said that they looked in the house, they didn't find his father's remains in there, and then the detective went back in there and found the remains. So was his dad in there the whole time? Or maybe he was like coming in and out. Maybe he was just like sleeping on the street somewhere or fascinating. So, and he has pictures of where he says that he looked. How bizarre. I feel bad for him because when he says he, you know, he hasn't set foot in that house in 20 years. And then he describes his, his father as kind of, you know, as verbally abusive and, you know, emotionally abusive. I mean, I feel bad for him, and it's like, you know, I mean, every kid wants to grow up with a good dad, and it doesn't sound like he, he had that opportunity, you know, but, you know, with mental illness and stuff like that, it's, you know, it's one of those things. All right, so we finally got the autopsy report. For those looking for concrete answers. The less body there is to work with, so to speak. There's nothing more concrete than an autopsy report. The more careful you have to be. On the next episode of Blame Lost at Home, do we finally learn how Chuck died and when? The further out the postmortem interval or the time since death, the more difficult it is to pinpoint. Are you a fan of Blame Lost at Home? We hope you are. Prove it by rating and reviewing our podcast so this helps other people find it.